Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. You guys give it up for Ryan. That was a lot of moving around on the stage here. Get stuff set up. <laughs> he was running. I like that. It's good. All right. Well, man, we are in the middle of our series called Daring Faith. So if you're new this morning, um, kind of just catch you up on where we've been, where we're going. Um, as a church, we are looking at um, faith over, over a series of 10 weeks. And, and faith is ultimately seeing life from God's point of view. And so we're looking at God bringing to us and establishing in us um, just an incredible faith, a faith that dares to imagine, a faith that dares to dream, that dares to follow. And obedience, and as we're going to talk about today, a faith that dares to commit to commit to what's most important. Um, and, and then we've got people meeting in small groups together, and uh, over 220 people doing that, and doing some daily devotions in a study guide, which you can get um, at Campaign Central if you haven't gotten one of those yet. Uh, there's groups that are still meeting; you can jump into. But but one of the things that uh, we're doing is each week in our small groups, uh, we're having a memory verse. And, and this week's memory verse is 1 Corinthians 2, 9, all right? 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's pretty good. I didn't look. Like, it was there. I didn't look, though, right? I didn't look. But here's what we're going to do. I want you to say this with me because this is why we can have daring faith. This is part of the promise, that no matter what God calls us to, no matter where he leads us to go, that we have a God who has our best in mind, our best at, at heart. And he wants to lead us and has things prepared for us, right? That, that we cannot even possibly fully comprehend. So let's read this together one time. First Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. i say it again. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And I want to encourage you, take these verses, take these passages, and, and, and as we heard in the study guide, lock them in the vault of our heart. Because I can tell you in my small group, one of the coolest things that happened was a buddy of mine uh, was talking and he was uh, really working hard to memorize the verse from a couple weeks ago. And uh, it was, it was uh, the, the verse, Romans 8, 28, where for God works all things for good to those who love him or are called according to his purpose. And, and he was talking to a guy at his office and this guy was going through a really hard time. And then his face lit up. He's like, he's a big football coach player you know, type guy. And he, he was so excited because not only did God let him hide that verse in his heart for him, but when that moment came, he was thinking, this is exactly what this guy needs to hear. He needs to hear the, the promises of God. And he was able to recite that just like that and made an impact in this guy's life. So it's not just about what God wants to do in us in this campaign. It's what God wants to do through us. And today we want to talk about daring to commit. We're going to talk about committing to the things that will help us experience the life that Jesus Christ has called us to, to live and now, if you're, if you're in the small groups or you've been reading the daily devotions, you, you've been hearing uh, Rick Warren, who's the pastor of Saddleback Church, talk about five purposes. And he's become very well known in, in, in our culture for a couple different books. The first one he wrote was The Purpose Driven Church. And he talked about the five purposes of God for the local church. And then he wrote another book um, several years later called The Purpose Driven Life. It is the number one best-selling nonfiction spiritual book outside of the Bible. I mean, God has used this book in an incredible way. Um, but it talks about, too, 
five purposes for your life. And as we talk today about committing, I want to kind of lay a foundation for you about what the Bible says are the purposes for our life. What God would say, these are the things that I made you for. These are the things that I made you to be a part of. And, and they tie back to this purpose-driven idea, but it ties back to what I believe to be scriptural. And so look on your note sheet. Take your note sheet out if you, uh, if you have one of those. Take some notes today. But let's look at two passages. There's two kind of foundational passages that Jesus teaches to us and, and taught to us and left, for, left behind in, in Scripture for us that I believe reveal to us what the ultimate purposes of our life are really all about. First one is called the Great Commandment. Look at Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? What is the most important thing I need to understand to honor God with my life and to experience the full life that God is, is telling me I can live through my faith in Jesus? He said the most important thing is to love God and to love others. And it's become known as the great commandment. So we see that we're to love God, we're to love others. The second foundational passage that I think unpacks the purposes for our life is what's called the Great Commission. The Great Commission is in Matthew chapter 28. So Jesus has died on the cross, God has raised him from the dead, and he now is going to ascend to heaven to be with the Father. And we are waiting his return to come back to gather all of those who have chosen to put our faith and trust in him, both those who have passed away and those who are still alive at that time, to take into heaven with him to, to bring in fullness all the promises of God and move us into eternity. And before he leaves, he gives his disciples, his closest followers, and really to all of us, some marching orders. He says, this is what I want you to be about. And he says this, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He says, listen, this is what's become known as the Great Commission. Here's what I want you to be about. I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to tell them about my love. Tell them the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And then I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And then realize the promise is that I will be with you always. And these two foundational passages of scripture, the great commandment and great commission, reveal what I believe to be, and agree with Rick Warren at, the, the five purposes. And, and, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to just talk about the five purposes of our life. And then we're going to talk about why we need to commit to these. And that if we commit to these purposes, that's how we truly experience life. And then I want to take it very personal to say, what does it mean to commit to those as a part of River Club Church? How are we inviting you to do that? What does it mean to do that here with us? And so let's look first at the purposes for our life. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. The first purpose that we see is God created us to know him. God created us to know him, that we've been made for God's pleasure. We've been made for a relationship with God, to know God, to be known by God in this personal, intimate, close relationship that he is, as we sang, our good, good father, our perfect father, and we are his children, that we've been created to live in a relationship with God. Now, one of the ways that we live that out is this, this church word. Let me use some different colors here today. 
is this church word called worship. And worship is the expression of our response to this relationship. That it's the expression of our response to this relationship. And so we know God, we worship God, we get to know God through knowing him, right? And so he says, that's the first purpose. And we see that God says, love the Lord. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That live in this relationship of loving God. The second thing that we find is a purpose for our life is that God has called us to belong to his family. Is that God has called us to belong to his family. That we've been formed for God's family. That you were made to be relational. And that relationship is with God, but also with others specifically. God wants to bring you into his family. Like I said, he's a good, good father. We become children of his. The Bible says we're adopted into his family as his sons and daughters. And we're called to do that. And, and a word that the church will use for that sometimes is this word fellowship. Fellowship or koinonia is the, the Greek word for it. It's this, it's this relationship, it's this connection, this closeness. And that's a purpose God has for us. The third purpose that, that God has for us that we see in scripture is, is this, is number three, that God is calling us to grow in him. To grow in him, that we are created to become like Jesus Christ. That God doesn't just want us to put our faith and trust in him. He wants us to become like Jesus, to begin to live out the life that Jesus modeled for us, the teachings that Jesus has given to us, because that is truly how we live the best possible life. And so we are called to grow in our faith, to grow in our knowledge of God. And, and the church word that we talk about for this a lot of times is discipleship. That we want to become a disciple. A disciple is simply a student. It's a learner, that we want to become a learner of Jesus, and not just intellectually, but we want to live this out in our life. The fourth purpose that we see is this purpose that we are here to serve God, is that we've been created to serve God. Now, how we serve God, most specifically, is, is that we do what he says, and oftentimes the best way to serve God is through serving other people, that God has called us and shaped us for serving him through loving and serving other people. Jesus said that the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That loving your neighbor is expressed in serving them. And so the Bible uh, talks about this. And so we have a word that the church will talk about a lot of times, and it's ministry. It's ministry. That ministry is serving other people. It's serving God by loving and, and serving and doing good for other people. That that's one of our purposes. And the last one that we see that scripture teaches us is this, is that we are to share God with others. We're to share God with others. That this great commission is we're supposed to go and make disciples, that we carry the mission with us and we carry the message of this is who Jesus is. And the word that we talk about oftentimes with this in church is we talk about our mission or maybe even another little more churchy word, is evangelism. That God has created us to share him and his truth with other people. And so these five purposes, to know God, to belong to his family, to grow in our faith in him, to serve him by serving others, and to share him with other people, that makes up the, the life and the purpose of why God created you and he created me. 
And so if we want to live the best life possible, if we want to live the life that God has for us, if we want to live with daring faith, then we've got to commit to doing the things that God has called us and he created us to do. And this is kind of the bottom line for today. Write this down. That part of daring faith, if we want to live with daring faith, we've got to be willing to commit to those things that are central to experiencing life in Jesus. That we've got to commit to what is central. So we've got to say, listen, we, we have to make sure our life isn't just lived and committed to whatever. If we truly want to live with daring faith, a life that honors God, a life that's empowered by God, a life that is blessed by God, then we need to commit to what is central. We need to commit to God's purposes of how he created us. And we have to be willing to commit. Look what the Bible says about committing. A couple of verses. Romans 6, 13 says this. It says, give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you have been brought back to life and you want to be tools in the hands of God used for his purposes. So, so Paul writes, he says, give yourselves completely to God that you can't and I can't, that we cannot experience full life, abundant life, a life lived for the purposes we've been created for unless we are willing to give ourselves totally to God. That it takes commitment to have daring faith. It takes perseverance to have daring faith. We've got to give ourselves totally and completely to God. Look at Romans 12, 1. Paul also writes about it this way. He says, since God has shown us great mercy, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. So Paul says, listen, when you go back to the Old Testament and the, the, the Israelite people, the Jewish people would come and worship God. They would bring him offerings. They bring him sacrifices. And when they would bring that offering, bring that sacrifice, they gave that totally to God. So when they brought a burnt offering to him, they would, they would bring this offering that was, that was burnt up and it was completely gone. It wasn't something that they kind of gave to God and took part of it back. That, that a true offering, a true sacrifice is given totally to God. And Paul says, your life is a living sacrifice. That if you really want to have daring faith, you want to experience the full life that Jesus has come to give us, then we've got to be willing to give ourselves totally to God, to commit to the things that he created us for and the purposes he has for us. And so what I want to do in the time that we have this morning is I want to talk to you about making those commitments, why we need to make those commitments, what that looks like to commit to these things, but then also what does that look like at River Club? Because see, at River Club Church, we have what we call the five things. And these are five things that we want for every person who is a part of our church to commit to. And they all go back to the five purposes that God has for our life. And so I want to talk about that with you today. So let's go through these. First commitment that we need to make is if we want to live a life on purpose, we want to live a life in the way God has us, we want to live a daring faith, then we need to understand this, that to strengthen our faith, that I must unite with others in worship. The first commitment we need to make is, is that, that we must, that I must, unite with others in worship. That we've got to unite with others in worship. Worship is turning our attention, our affection to God. Worship is coming into uh, God's presence and proclaiming true things about him. It's about bringing our love to him, our affection, our attention, proclaiming things about who he is, learning more about who he is. This is worship. 
And while worship can be done on our own and should be done individually, worship is not complete just individually. Worship has to be done and needs to be done in community with others. And so we need to commit to uniting with others in worship. Because see, here's the thing. The commitments we're going to talk about today, they're not just things that you commit to individually. Because we have to commit to these together with others because that's a key part of what it truly means to experience life and to really grow in our faith. And we'll talk more about that. But we need to unite with others in worship. We need to come in settings like this where we're turning our affection and our attention toward God. We're learning more about him. We're being encouraged and challenged. And we're doing that collectively with other people. And the Bible says a couple things. Listen, worship, number one, is not about us. It's ultimately about God. But when we choose to worship God, there are certain blessings that we receive because of that. Here's two of them. The first one is this, is that when we choose to worship and we come together to worship, worship renews our faith. Worship will renew our faith. It will strengthen our faith. Look at Isaiah 40, 31. It says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Listen, it's easy to become weary in doing good. It's easy to become tired and for our faith to become weary. And when we come together to worship God, God will then renew our faith. Look at the second thing. Not only will he renew our faith, but he will also restore our joy. He'll restore our joy. Look at Psalm 100 uh, verse two. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. When we come and worship God, God will renew our joy. Now let's get honest, just be open for a minute, right? How many of you have ever woken up on a Sunday morning, right? Or maybe you had this conversation with yourself when you went to bed on Saturday night and you said, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna go to church tomorrow. You know, I've had a long day Saturday. It's been a long week. I could really use some extra sleep. I mean, the Bible says to rest. So, I mean, I need to rest, you know, and you, you know, you're, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I just, you know, I just, I'm not feeling it. And so, you know, then, then you wake up and, you know, maybe your, your spouse is kind of like, hey, are we going to church? And you're like, no, or your kids come in like, hey, are we getting ready for church? And you don't want to be a bad example. So you're like, well, yeah, I guess we're going to church, you know? And, and, but for whatever reason, you decide to come. Now, and you're, you're, you're here just because you're here. Like, you're not, you're not really looking for the mountains to move. You know what I mean? You're just kind of like, all right, I'm here. Let's just get it over with. Let's go home and watch football. You know, it's like, listen, let's be honest, right? Like, who's ever felt that way? I have. Like, there, there, like, there are some days, like, I'm kind of like, if I wasn't paid to be here, I might want to sleep in, right? <laughs> but um, I just, because we all get to that point, right? And you're just kind of like, okay, is it really worth it? But then how many times have you thought that? Have you played this out? You go ahead and come, you commit to it. And after it's over, you walk away and, and man, you're like, I am so glad that I came. Because God worked in my life. God did something, right? God renewed my strength. He restored my joy. See, that's what happens. And sometimes we have to commit to doing it even when we don't feel like it because God not only receives the glory when we do, but God blesses us in return. And so at River Club Church, the, the thing that we, 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 we talk about is this, is that we want to invite you to commit to worship in community. To worship in community. To unite with others to come together. To make Sunday morning and times when we gather like this a priority. Why? Because God wants that for us and we also are blessed when we choose to do it. So that's why God wants us to do that. 
So the second thing, though, is this, is that not only does God want us to unite with others in worship so we can strengthen our faith and restore our joy, the second commitment he wants us to make is this, is that to discover my identity and purpose, I must connect with others in fellowship. So the second thing is, listen, I I need to, to be in fellowship with other people. I need to connect with others. I need to belong and be an active part in the body of Christ. Because we were created for relationships. If you go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, it says that God created everything. And then he created man. He created this guy, Adam. And God looks around at all that he had done. And for the first time, he said something wasn't good. Something could be better. And he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. So God created a helper. He created a a, a partner. He created uh, somebody to be in a relationship with Adam. He created Eve. He created a woman. And the Bible says that it's not good for a man to be alone. And while that speaks specifically to this covenant of a marriage between a man and a woman, it speaks to the bigger thing of we were not intended and we were not created to live isolated lives. That we were never intended, it was never intended for us to live our faith on our own. But that we find our purpose when we commit to and connect with other people. And we need to do that not just with any relationship, specifically, we need to connect with and belong to God's family, other followers of Jesus. Look at Romans 12, four through five. It says, in this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our purpose and our function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, now would we? He's saying, listen, that part of how we find our identity, part of how we, we find our purpose, we, we, we realize who we are and what God has for us and the role that he has for us to play, it, it's only found when we are connected to other people in fellowship, when we're connected to the body of Christ. That's why it's so important to be part of a local church. You know, I mean, I've had people tell me, you know, listen, Zach, I, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm like, you're right, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but you have to go to church and be involved in a local church to be an obedient Christian. Because if you're trying to live for Christ on your own, you're only going to get so far. Because you miss out on finding your identity and your purpose when you try to live life all by yourself. And, and Paul uses this illustration of the human body. He says, listen, an eye by itself on the ground doesn't really amount to much. A cut off finger that's not part of a body, it's just laying on the ground. Like it, it's not going to do anything that we really find the purpose God has for us when we're connected to the larger body of Christ. And that's why it's important that we do that, that we need to be a part of that because really it's all about relationship. Relationships are so key to our life. That's why everything in your life can be going great. You can, you know, work can be going great. You know, financially you can be doing well. You know, things are just, you know, your your football team's winning, like whatever, like, you know, life is just great. But then you have that, conflict, you have that fight with your spouse, or you have that conflict with that person at work, or something happens. And because of that relational tension, all the stuff that's going great, it doesn't seem to matter as much because you're so consumed with how bad things are relationally. Why can a bad relationship destroy everything else? Because relationships matter. They're important. And and it's important that we're a part of it. And we're not just a part of what we can benefit from, we're a part of it, and we're, we're here to make it better. 
See, we, we find our connection to God in, in not just relationships, but in our role in the relationships in our church. That, listen, we are to be people who are trying to unite, who are trying to bring people together, who are being, as, as Jesus said, peacemakers. Look at this, um, Ephesians 2, 16. It says, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Jesus says, or, or Paul says, listen, At the end of the day, you have more in common in Christ than you have different. That instead of focusing on how you're different, instead of focusing on how you're divided, be focused on how you're united in Jesus Christ. And what was happening was you had these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians and their long history of Jewish, Jewish people looking down on the Gentile people and the Gentile people not really being accepted and looking, looking forward to, you know, being a part of the, the, uh, the, the Jewish people and the Jewish faith and all this kind of stuff going on. And Paul says, listen, no longer are you Jew or Gentile. No longer are you slave or free. No longer are you even male or female. Listen, you are now one new humanity in Jesus Christ because you are connected together. So the role of relationship and our role is to make relationships better, to fight for peace, to fight for unity. I think it's one of the most disturbing things about the election and what's going on is that we as, as a nation and even in the church, we're becoming so divided that, that it's hindering our ability to really live out the purpose of fellowship. And I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen at the end of the day after the election because somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. But are we going to be willing to come together for what's more important than a candidate to accomplish the thing that God has for us to do? And we're going to have to be okay with that because we've been created not to be divided. Not to be divisive, but to fight for this. To fight for, as Second Corinthians 5, 18, 19 says, reconciliation. It says that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. That we've been reconciled, made right in relationship to God. And now we are to reconcile ourselves to others in the body of Christ. That's why our faith is so hindered when we're at odds with another follower of Jesus. That's why the Bible talks so much and Jesus talks so much about doing what you can to promote peace and make that relationship right because it hinders what we're trying to do. And so at River Club Church, we talk about it this way, that we want to invite you to commit to the mission. It's like, well, what does mission have to do with relationships? Well, the mission of God is expressed through the local church. And the local church is what you're connected to. And so when you commit to the mission, you're committing to that community of followers of Jesus. And you're saying, okay, what part can I play to support that, to give financially to that, to, to be about making peace, to be about building unity, to play the part that God has for me. That's what God wants us to do. And that's the second commitment. The third is this, is that if we're going to develop our potential, that we must learn from others. We must learn from others. So if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to become followers of Jesus who are disciples, more and more like Jesus, it doesn't just happen on our own. That we need to learn from other people. That we need to learn in community. There are certain things that Jesus wants to teach us and certain things that we need to live out in our faith that can only be done in relationship. That can really only be experienced best in relationship. You know, one of the, one of the, for example, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big thing that we need to grow in and practice as followers of Jesus. And, and, and relationships are where that can happen. You know, kindness is another one. Kindness is found in how I respond to other people or how other people respond to me. You can't really understand and practice kindness if you're all by yourself. Self-centeredness. 
sacrifice, overcoming self-centeredness with sacrifice. It's not gonna happen if you're the only person you're focusing on. Is that we grow in community. That's why we are so passionate about wanting every person to be in a small group. Because it's in that community, it's in small group where life change, that's like the, um, the, the fuel. That's like the, the place where we see life change and change and change because not only are we growing personally, but we're growing together. We're encouraging each other. We're, we're helping each other out. Look at um, Ephesians 4.16. It says, Christ's body is fitted together perfectly. Each part does its own special work, or as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. See, one of the reasons why it's important for us to be a part of a small group, to, to grow together with others, is not just what we benefit from that, but what we can bring to that group. See, we learn from other people's experiences that we have not personally had. We can learn from the insights of other people that we may have not had. And so we learn because of what God's doing in the lives of other people. But other people also can learn from what God's doing in the life that we live. And so listen, sometimes the reason why we need to be part of a small group is, is because when we choose not to be in community, when we choose not to be in relationship and to learn and grow together with people, you're robbing that person, you're robbing that group of what you can bring to that group. Because there might be something that somebody's going through that you've gone through. And until you are there willing to share, willing to express, willing to encourage and to challenge and to, and to, to be in community, they're not going to be able to see your story. And you're not going to be able to see their story. So it's not just about what's good for you. It's about what is good for the entire body of Christ. And so it's important that we get into small, small settings. And as we grow larger as a church, we grow smaller in community. Because we need other people in our life to help us grow to help us do what God is calling us to do. And at River Club Church, we believe that the, the best environment for that is a group. And so we want everybody to join a small group. And these small groups can look, you know, different ways. But a small group, really, in terms of what we're talking about, is, is, a, is a small community of people, a group of people who are committed to living life together and growing in their faith and community. And it's so important that we're a part of that because, listen, you may have reached a point in your faith where you feel like you've hit a lid. And you feel like no matter what you're doing, no matter how hard you're trying, you're just not hitting. You're not, you're not getting past it. You've kind of plateaued. And you're like, you're kind of wondering, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? It's probably that you're missing community because you've grown to this point as far as you're gonna grow by yourself. But God wants you to be in relationship with other people so you can continue to grow. And so we need to commit to growing in our faith by also growing with other people. And we wanna invite you and commit you to join a small group. Here's the fourth one, is if I wanna experience true significance in my life, I must serve with others in ministry. So I need to serve with others in ministry. Now ministry is simply doing good for other people. It's doing good for other people. It's God using who you are, it's God using your gifts, your talents, your abilities. It's God using the things that he's given to you for the benefit of other people. It's making a difference in their life. And true significance doesn't come from status in life. It doesn't come from a certain salary. It doesn't come from, from self-centeredness or selfishness. True significance comes when we choose to serve. When we give what we have been given, 
who we are for the benefit of somebody else. Listen, I can't tell you some of the most significant times in my life, some of the times where I felt like I'd made the biggest difference were times where I had gone and served somebody else, where I had poured out myself tired. I was weary. I mean, I was, just, I was beat. But I walked away from that situation understanding that God used me to make a difference in the life of somebody else. And that significance is something that I can't find any other place. In the same way that for some, your faith is hitting a lid because you're not involved in community. For others, your faith is hitting that lid and you're not seeing that, that, that growth in your life because, because you're not serving other people. You've gone as far as you're gonna go focusing on yourself. You now have to serve somebody else. Because spiritual life, right? Spiritual life, our faith, it's not simply just about taking in. It's about giving out. It's about living out. That's why one of the the, the commitments for daring faith is to go in faith, to practice what God is teaching us and what God is doing in us. And so we need to see that. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. See, listen, you've been given certain things and what God has given to you is ultimately not for your good and your benefit. It's for the benefit of, of others in the mission of God, the kingdom of God. But if we're not willing to serve, if we're not willing to be involved in ministry with other people, we're gonna miss out on that. Look at um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. The Bible talks about, it's not just, it's not just serving, but it's serving with others. When we serve with others, we, we can accomplish things that we can't accomplish on our own. It says this, says, two people are always better than one because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, the, uh, the other can help him up. But it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one is there to help. If two lie down together, they can share. Oh, hold on. There we go. We share a blanket and stay warm. But a person alone will not be warm. An enemy might defeat one person, but two people together can defend themselves. And a rope that is woven of three braids is hard to break. When we work together, three things happen. Write these down real quick. Number one is we maximize our impact. When we work together, we serve together, we maximize our impact. That it says that they get more done by working together. Listen, one drop of rain is not gonna make a big difference, but a million drops of rain can make a huge difference. And that's how the church works. If it's only one person, you alone, trying to fight the fight and, and accomplish the, the, the great big task, listen, it may or may not get there. But we can accomplish more when we work together because we maximize our impact. Second thing is this, is that when we work together, we also minimize our failures. We minimize our failures. It says in that, that passage, if one falls down, the other can help him up. But it says, listen, the person who doesn't have anybody, when they fall down, nobody's there to help him up. That when we work together, we serve together, we not only maximize our impact, but we minimize our failures. We are there to help pick each other up. We're there to help uh, fill the gap when we make mistakes, that we can do more in that way. The third thing is this, is that we work together. We, we can mobilize our resources. We can mobilize our resources. It says this, that together they can defend themselves. It says that, you know, two can share a blanket. That when we are willing to commit to serving and, and being a part of this together, that the resources that we have, the energy, the abilities, the talents, the, the money, the, the, the time, all those different things, 
when you pull them together, they can accomplish so much more, exponentially more than we could ever do on our own. And so here at River Club Church, what we want to invite everybody to is we want to invite everybody to serve on a team. To serve on a team. That may be a team that is primarily on Sunday morning. It might be a team another time of the week. It might be a student team. It might be a kid's team. It might be a worship team. It might be, you know, hospitality. There's, there's many different examples, but it's about serving on a team. And when we do that, we fulfill our purpose. Last one is this. Number five, to make an eternal difference, I must join with others on mission. That I must join with others on mission. If we want to make a difference eternally, we've got to join with others on the mission that God has given to us. Let's go back to Matthew 28. We talked about at the very beginning, the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That we've been given a mission. That mission is to go. And we've been given a message. And that message is the, the good news of Jesus. That through faith in Jesus, your mistakes and your sin can be forgiven. Your life can be restored. Your brokenness can be healed. Your, your, your future can be solidified with promise that, that you can experience full life, abundant life. Life that goes beyond what you can even possibly think or imagine on your own. But we've got to be willing to then go and, and, and be a part of that. And so at River Club, we talk about it this way, is that we want to challenge you and invite you to invite others. Invite others to do what? Invite others to experience life. Because that's our mission. That's our overall direction. Is we want to be a church where all people can experience life in Jesus. So what do we invite people to do? To experience life. Not just any life, but life only found in Jesus. And that might begin with you inviting them to come to church on Sunday. It might begin with you inviting them to go to the trunk or treat. It might begin with you inviting them over for dinner at your house or to your Bible study, your small group. It's inviting them to an opportunity to hear about how they can experience life. And then you sharing with them or whoever's leading that time, God using to share with them, here's what it means to truly find life. And if we're not on mission, if we're not taking that message, we're not living our purpose. And we're not gonna truly find the life that Jesus has for us. And see, it all boils down to this. That if we're gonna do great things for God, if in daring faith, God is gonna do great things in and through us, we have to be daring and willing to commit. We have to be willing to give ourselves totally and completely to God and to the things that God has for us to be about. And the more we're willing to give ourselves totally and completely to God, to his plans, to his purposes, the more and more we will begin to live out his plan and purpose for our life. But if we hold back, if we commit a little bit, but we hold back apart. If we commit here, but we don't commit over here, then we're never gonna fully embrace and experience what Jesus Christ died on the cross for us to have. 
we're never going to find the full purpose and satisfaction that we're looking for. You know, one of the things that is kind of interesting is, you know, as we're talking about this campaign, we've been talking about really three different things. We want you to grow in your faith. The third one is we want you to go in your faith to make a difference, to do this. But we also want you to sow in faith. And we've been talking about this, um, these special offerings that are coming up and challenging you to say, God, listen, what would you have me do? What part am I gonna play? What role do you have for me to play in these two offerings? One, a finished strong offering to help us um, bridge the gap between our expenses and income so we can end 2016 in a, in a very healthy, strong place financially. But then the second commitment is to a two-year commitment and campaign of giving over and above your regular tithe, your regular offering, which both of these are, to help us reduce and pay down the, the current mortgage debt that we have on this facility. And we'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. But, but I know for some, because anytime that we talk about this, this is a reality. That for some, the focus has totally just stopped at the giving. And you're anxious about that. Maybe you're mad that we're talking about that. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're you know, nervous about what God might do, what he might call you to do, Right? But all of that, it doesn't need to be the primary focus. There, there's a great story in, um, in the New Testament uh, of a church in Macedonia. And this church in Macedonia was, was a small church. It was um, a church that was not rich at all. It was, very, it was a very poor church. They were going through in their, their, their culture and their community a, a severe famine. And they didn't have a lot. Well, this church heard about the, the church in Jerusalem. And how the church in Jerusalem was also suffering. They were going through their own famine. And they were going through some, a time of really severe persecution. They were being persecuted and oppressed for their faith. And this church in Macedonia decided that they were going to collect an offering to give to the church in Jerusalem. Now in their poverty, in their own struggle, they decided to give in a generous way to benefit somebody else and what was going on. And Paul uses them as an example. And here's the thing I want you to understand. Here's the thing we, we want to get, and then we'll be done. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 5, says that they, talking about the church in Macedonia, that they gave beyond their ability far more than they could afford. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unswervingly to God. Don't miss that. That the reason why they gave to the church in Jerusalem was because they had already made the commitment to give themselves unswervingly to God. That they'd already decided in their own life, listen, this is what we're gonna be about. We're already gonna commit. We're already all in. And Paul says that the reason why, he says this, that, that the other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their life. Listen, instead of focusing on all these specifics, the, the place that we've got to begin is we first have to begin by just saying, I'm going to give myself totally to God. Instead of worrying about where that might lead, instead of worrying about what he might want me to do, instead of worrying about how much I need to give to Daring Faith, instead of worrying about all these different things, it begins when we say to God, God, I am giving 100% of who I am to you. 
And then tomorrow when I wake up, I'm gonna make that same decision. And the next time I wake up, I'll make that same decision. And if I find myself drifting, I'm gonna come back and say, God, I'm giving myself 100% to you because when you commit, when I commit to what's most important, how God uses that in flowing out of our life, it's up to him. And we don't have to worry about it. And it's not the same as us trying to make something happen on our own because God will do in and through us what he has planned if we'll make that commitment. See, daring faith is about committing to what's central to experiencing life. It's about making that commitment to what is most important, to the purposes that God created you for. So so here's the the question I wanna leave you with today. Are the commitments in your life leading you to the purposes you were created for? Are the commitments in your life leading you to the purposes you were created for? Are the things that you are giving yourself to, are the things that you are considering the top priority, are the things that you are about, are you committing to the things, are you committing to the things that will lead you to the purpose that God has for you? And if not, what are you holding back that you need to let go and give to God? today. Will you bow your head with me? As the band comes out and we move into a time of response, I just, I feel led today to share with you just this invitation. Because see, there's nothing more important than giving yourself totally to God. And that begins when we choose to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ to become his follower, to become a Christian. Now, I don't know who's out here. I don't know your situation. I don't know your faith. I don't know your beliefs. I don't know where you're at. But the Bible says that we are to share the good news and we're to invite people to experience life. And so we're gonna do that today. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you are here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've never become a follower of Christ, You've never asked him to forgive your sin. You never asked him to begin to heal your brokenness. You've never committed yourself to him. You're here today because that is the commitment he wants for you to make. You don't have to have all your questions answered. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to clean up your life so you think he'll accept you. He will accept you as you are and he will make you as he has for you to be. And so if that's you, I wanna lead you in this prayer. The words aren't magical, they're not special. They're simply words that express the commitment to follow Jesus. Now, if that's you, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I am giving myself totally to you. Would you forgive my sin and my mistakes? Would you heal the brokenness in my life? Would you help me to experience life? From this day forward, you're the boss. You're the one I'm gonna serve. Give me the courage to follow you and the strength to live for you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with your head bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around but me because this is private between us. I wanna know that. I'd love for you to share that with me. And I've got a a team of a couple people who want to bring you a gift. It's a decision box. And it's just going to give you some information about this new relationship that you've just started with Jesus. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to 
ask you to go somewhere. We just want to give this to you, but I wanted to celebrate that with you. I'm trusting that God knows the results of what's going to happen this morning. But if that's you and you made that decision today, would you share that with me? I'm going to count to three. Just raise your hand up and then leave it up till you are given a box. Just do this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up, raise it high. If you this morning chose to follow Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in him for the very, very first time. Praise God. If you're a follower of Jesus, I wonder this. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from grabbing hold of Jesus? And this morning, as we sing this song together, do you need to handle some business with God? Do you need to confess what you're holding on to? Do you need to recommit yourself totally to him? If that's you, as we sing this song, you can pray at your seat. You can come down to the front. We've got two prayer walls, two fences on the sides where maybe you can go and you want to just write a prayer to God. You want to identify and say, this is what's holding me back. And you want to give that and stick it in that fence and you want to leave it there for God to deal with. Whatever God has you to do, don't miss out on this chance to respond. Father God, we give you this time and we pray, God, that you would do your work within us God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond to him.